1: check out tops project 70 celebrating 70 years of tops baseball cards that's right this is spin right the athletics toronto blue jays podcast my name is drew Fairservice, and i would love to say like to say thank you so much for tuning in for checking out the show as the blue jays continue their assault on the american league playoff picture they're on the outside but they're not there right there in the middle of it all and it's an exciting time to be a blue jays fan no joke and it is also, well, it's not an exciting time to be an Angels fan. It's it's a time, and there are Angels fans, I guess. Uh so I'm really excited about this episode of Spin Rate as the Blue Jays are out west, staying up late, playing against the Angels uh early in the week and then go heading out to Seattle for the end of the week. If you are, you know, Caitlin McGrath, the co host of Spin Rate, she'll be up late covering these games covering the doubleheader covering uh otani versus jose barrios later in the week which is uh the personal highlight of the season for me probably no joke but if you want to read everything that caitlin has to say about the angels if you want to read about the blue jays if you want to read the angels you got to subscribe to the athletic that's the bottom line here go to the athletic.com slash spin rate you can uh dial it up they'll give you a tidy little price for a year subscription to let you will let them know that we that we sent you Keeps us in podcasts and keeps us living in the style to which we have grown accustomed. So that's all tidy bits of business. I want you to subscribe to this show, of course. You can subscribe if this is your first time. Again, thanks for checking us out. You can subscribe to SpinRate on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Dial us up. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Give us a thumbs up. Just do all the things that the algorithm lets the algorithm know that we are uh, doing something right. Speaking of doing something right, I'm so excited to talk to my friend, Angels fan, drummer for the band Thrice, Riley Breckenridge. They have a new record coming out in September, September 17th. They're going on tour not long after that, if you live in the United States. Riley is a, also the a co-founder of Classic Grit Baseball Club, baseball lifestyle brand, and also you have heard him for many years co-hosting a baseball podcast called Productive Outs. He also plays the drums in a baseball-themed band called Puig Destroyer. Which put out two records, three records, excuse me, that have no business being as good as they are. But Riley loves the Angels. He's grown up an Angels fan. Great to talk to him about the Angels, about Vlad Guerrero Junior., Vlad Guerrero Senior., and the process of recording and uh, a new record and going out on tour in the middle of a pandemic. A bit of a bit of a, a bit of a you know head job going on. Bit of a screw job in your old mind piece there. I don't know, but anyway. I'm not going to waste any more time rattling on, prattling away. I'm going to go, thank you for listening to Spin Ring, and I'm going to go right over here and we're going to talk with Riley Breckenridge of Thrice. He is the co-founder of Classic Grit Baseball Club, baseball lifestyle brand that you should check out if you haven't already. He plays in Thrice, who have a new record coming out in September. It's called Horizons East. They're going on tour, and he is also uh, the a kind, the kind of person who admits in public that he is an Angels fan and has been for a very long time, which is why I want to talk to him. I want—I mean, I'll talk to him anytime. But Riley Breckenridge is a guest on Spin Rate this week. Riley, thank you so much for taking the time. Hi,
2: thank you for having me. It's good to—it's uh, been a while since I've talked baseball, so I'm eager to do so. It's been a lot of music talk lately
1: understandable uh, you know you've been in the studio which like, all, all everything is weird now I can imagine like going in the studio even with these guys that you've recorded what 11 records and and mm-hmm. it's like you're in the studio and it's weird and then it's like well now what are we gonna do we're we gonna play shows well we can't quite do that because it's weird but uh, and, and even baseball games have you been to have you been to any games this year let's start with that
2: I have not um,
1: no.
2: part of that is just uh, for safety standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two young kids who aren't old enough to get vaccinated yet. And even though it's outdoors, you know, you got to use the bathroom and, um, taking kids into a bathroom with a bunch of strangers doesn't, uh, appeal to me from a safety standpoint or a cleanliness standpoint. Um, and then I, I have kind of reached The end of my rope with the angels for a number of reasons and i don't think i would be
1: comfortable paying for tickets at this point so that leads us really nicely into my first question which is (laughs) are the angels maybe in a position to turn things around (laughs) Uh, the answer to that is no
2: i mean uh they came in today at 500 Mm -hmm. And I feel like 500 is just where they are destined to be for eternity. Maybe it's a few games below, maybe it's a couple games ahead, but they cannot figure out a way to get out of that just perpetual mediocrity thing. And it's frustrating to watch. Like I just got tired of watching them waste a generational talent and now they're wasting another generational talent
1: and it's nuts. They have found a way to waste two concurrent generational (laughs) talents. Like they're at, they're playing at the same time. Of course, Mike Trout is hurt, but it's it's crazy. The one thing I was watching. So when we are recording this, it is right in between the time when the Blue Jays and the Angels have played a double hit, a double header there in Anaheim, where the Blue Jays were the uh, home team in Game One and uh, and uh, did not prevail in that game. But I, I wasn't aware of the level of like one run game baloney that the angels had kind of using to paper over just how bad they are this year. I mean, I watch a lot of angels games, obviously as anyone, you know, who follows me on social media knows my, this whole thing I got going with Shohei Otani, this whole thing mm-hmm. about wanting to appreciate uh, the greatest season in baseball history uh, as close with my eyeballs as I can. But mm-hmm. uh like even 500 almost kind of flatters them right now. But, but at the same time, it just it, it feels so, so tenuous. It's almost, it's almost like insidious because it's like, oh, well, as long as a couple things go their way, maybe they'll be fine. They've got so much talent. But at the same time, man, it's just such a bummer.
2: Yeah, they're always gambling. And like they always have, at least for the past several years, there's always one glaring issue going into the offseason, and that's pitching. And they never address it. They always try to go bargain bin and pick up, uh, guys like Jose Quintana or Alex Cobb or one year it was like Matt Harvey. Um, so they try to do these reclamation projects and they don't have like the success rate. The race do with those kind of guys and it fails every year. And then people are like, oh, I wish we had some better pitching, man. The pitching is so inconsistent. It's like, what did you expect? Like it's literally, literally the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect different results. And they do it every year.
1: It's crazy because they, uh, from a position player perspective, they have a really good track record in my mind of developing talent. You don't have to look any further than the probably the best player of, well, the best player to ever wear that or any jersey uh but even like the the league average guys that have come out you know guys like guys you know Trumbo and Cole Calhoun and then Jared Walsh and like guys that are that are valid and 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 viable big league regulars but pit, from the pitching side it just they just cannot do it and and it's interesting to hear that you're at the, at the end of Europe so what what do you think would be something that might be able to turn you around if they do things differently i mean the the farm looks like it's you know is is at least higher more highly ranked but I guess are you you got to be in like kind of wait show me mode at this point right now.
2: Yeah, I would have to see them spend on pitching. Uh there were like rumors last offseason that they were close to a a deal for or close to signing both Wheeler and uh Donaldson to play third, but instead they threw money at Anthony Rendon. And we know how that worked out and I guess nobody would have seen that coming, but did they really need a third baseman? badly and do they need to spend that much money uh, on a third baseman probably not if you're gonna roll the dice uh, and spend a lot of money maybe you on a top tier arm instead of trying to do the like dollar record bin with starters
0: and believers we'll be right back with more spin rate but first check this out
1: Well, the Angels are a soul crushing experience, almost unique. That you know, they're not they're not the Mariners, right? They're kind of the Blue Jays uh, expansion cousins. They're not that. They're a different kind of soul destroying. But the Blue Jays, I have with my own eyes seen you wear see you wear a Blue Jays cap in public, so you have some kind of opinions on the Blue Jays, which is which are what are those? What do you think about this this Jays club? I mean, you're you're. Getting, a close, uh, getting an opportunity this week to see them up close and personal. Uh, is, are, are there elements of, the, of what the Blue Jays are doing that you wish maybe the Angels could replicate aside from signing a generational talent uh, out of the Dominican Republic, for example? <laughs>
2: uh, I think just the Blue Jays having an exciting young core is something that the Angels haven't really had uh, in years. Um, whether it's like an arm like Manoa that's exciting Um, or Bichette or Vlad. um, There's just so much to rally around. And then when they need something like a guy like Springer, they go get him. Um, They make the right moves at the deadline. It seems like Um, it just seems like they have a plan. The angels don't seem like they really have a plan to me outside of signing like big free agent guys that Artie Moreno wants.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's, I, it's almost like having Mike Trout is like a, it's like a crutch where it's like, well, we don't need to do, we don't need to have a plan. We've got him. We just got to like put some guys around him. We'll be good to go. But it doesn't seem like that is a, a viable plan in the, in, in the big leagues in 2021. Like these organizations are so sophisticated now. And I, and I don't know. I mean, maybe they're in a better place now, but I, I, maybe I don't get the sense that the angels are that in that kind of level of sophistication in the way that they run their operation.
2: No, nah, there's not a lot of depth. Um, I was talking to a buddy the other day about um, totally spacing on the arm. Uh, it was a pitcher for the Mariners, young
1: guy, uh, rookie this year. The lefty that suddenly throws like 100 miles an hour? What's his name? <laughs> no, it was a right-hander. I'm
2: totally oh, spacing. Okay. He has a filthy breaking ball. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's a he's a young guy he's figured some stuff out. He's exciting to watch. And I was talking to my friend and I, when was the, when was the last time the angels had somebody like this? Like a young guy that they called up that they're like, Oh wow. This guy's got promise. Like maybe that was supposed to be Griffin canning, but he hasn't figured it out. And now he's done for the year. Maybe Garrett Richards way back when before TJ. And, um, it just seems like they're not good at developing arms. uh, And like I said before, like they just don't have a plan, really. Um, It seems like they're just fine with being mediocre. And I think fans want more than that, especially when you have a guy like Mike Trout on your roster. And especially when you have a guy like Shohei Otani on your roster, they want to see that you're working towards something. And it doesn't seem like they're working towards something.
1: No, you're right. I think uh, we were talking about uh, Logan Gilbert. That's the name of the guy. Logan yes. Gilbert, yeah, a stud, like a, yeah. a, a freak, throw super hard that guy. Um, yeah. But you know, I mean, Blue Jays, Blue Jays fans have been, you know, it, all sport all fans, you know, it, it, there's that impatience, and to to watch the Blue Jays front office operate, you kind to get a sense of what they're doing, and sometimes you feel like m- maybe there's a bit of risk aversion, but at the same time, there is that plan, there is that substance, there is they they have clearly identified, you know, a the to be able to develop your own players to be able to fill out your roster with guys that you can develop or guys you can identify and then kind of help improve like teoscar hernandez is a great example Mm -hmm. um as somebody that they were like he's got skills and talents that are that are enviable and we can hopefully help him become the best player that he can be uh or even or even like randall gritchick right like let's well, maybe not that he's exactly the same that he's always been, <laughs> but, but, uh, but then just that, that ability to build up minor league depth, like it's, it's so, it's so easy to get all hung up on like, oh, there are X number of prospects in the top 100 or X number of this kind of caliber prospects, but it's more than just being able to replace the guys in the big league roster. It's that ability to kind of turn them over and turn them into something else where. The, I, again, I just don't see the, the angels haven't really done that. And then you see, again, the, the inability to kind of make pitchers better, mm-hmm. right? Like, like Andrew Heaney comes in and Andrew Heaney is Andrew Heaney and he has a kind of a good year, kind of a bad year. Dylan Bundy comes in. Oh, Dylan Bundy's okay. Then he's bad. Like there's just, there's not a lot of like a growth. And, and it's see, it, I can't imagine how frustrating it would be again for someone who's watched them their whole life like you to, to see that them just spin yeah. their wheels and repeatedly. The, I,
2: I feel like the trade deadline is a really good indicator. And every year at the trade deadline, they're kind of like, well, are we buying or are we selling? And if that's just like your situation, I don't think there's a plan. Like you either have to go all in and, and buy or you sell. And then this time around, they got rid of Andrew Heaney. There was no reason for them to keep uh Rysel Iglesias or Jose Iglesias. Um, the you can't trick Jose
1: Iglesias, the glove-only shortstop, because then you wouldn't have a cleanup hitter if you're the <laughs>
2: Angels. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Uh, man, that's a, that's some Madden brain working, which has been an interesting experiment, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you about Vladimir Guerrero Sr., of course, as an Angels fan, you saw Vlad after he, of course, left Montreal, signed as a free agent. Bit of a different mm-hmm. situation with the, with the franchise there. Uh, number one, just what, what you remember watching him when he was sort of at his peak, but also like on his, the, not the downside of his career, but he, he aged in a specific way. I think is how I, I, <laughs> I, I have an anecdote. So I want to hear what you have to say, but then I'll, I'll share my anecdote of watching Vlad with the Angels. Um, but also, and then what? What you think about what, having that in your mind when you're watching Vlad Jr.?
2: Um, he's a he was a pleasure to watch, especially when he was uh, closer to his prime and had a cannon for an arm, and then could pretty much do whatever he wanted with any pitch. It didn't matter if it bounced before it got to him, or it was like four feet over his head. Um, and yes, he aged in a non graceful manner uh specifically in the leg region um his running was was not particularly something that was enjoyable to watch um and definitely one of those guys who forgets that he's not fast anymore Mm. which which I think has also happened to (laughs) Albert Pujols like uh, yeah you cannot stretch that into a double my guy and you cannot advance on a pass ball there um yeah, and then watching Vlad, it's like he's like an optimized version of his dad. Like he has good pitch selection, uh, insane power, probably better than uh, his dad's ever was, I would say. Some of the freaking bombs that he hits are absolutely demolished. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but one thing that I love about them, and this is a very old guy thing to to fall in love with is they just look like they're having fun. And uh, there are a lot of smiles and they seem like they're fun to be around in the clubhouse. And um, I don't know. I think that says a lot, I think for clubhouse culture and um, it's just nice
1: to watch people have fun playing baseball. It is absolutely that it is a, it's fun to watch them have fun and they quite clearly do have fun. I mean, I don't think that anyone would ever question the professionalism. And after the kind of way they lost, for example, game one of this doubleheader today, I'm sure there wasn't a lot of fun going on in the clubhouse. But there's that kind of – that ability to kind of rinse it and move on and go on to the next game. And it's interesting because the Vladimir Guerrero senior is not a guy that I remember being having a lot of fun. He was fun. He was fun for for fans because he was because of the way that he played. But it was very, like, workmanlike. And the thing <laughs> – talking about his legs kind of going on him. So mm-hmm. the game – I went to a game that when the Angels were in Toronto just randomly, and it, oh god, I don't even remember what year this was. It was a long time ago. It was—I'll tell you—this is how long ago it was Alex Rios's big league debut. That's how long ago it was. Wow. And Vladimir Guerrero was playing right field for the Angels. My friend and I watched as he was at the, at the end of every inning and in the beginning of the next inning. He was the last guy off the field every <laughs> single time. And then he was the last guy out of the dugout every single time. Mm. It's like he was spending the minimal amount of time he could out on the field. And, you know, he played on, on that, on that field in, uh, on that concrete and in Montreal for so long. So, you know, maybe his legs were all beat up, but again, obviously a Hall of Famer, an incredible career, but it was just so striking to watch him like drag his ass out there. <laughs> he just couldn't yeah. be bothered to be out there. But obviously like a, just a truly iconic player. There was, there was so much about him that. You know, if, if the game had permitted him, I bet you the bear, the game had permitted that sort of fun, loving attitude. I, I would love, love to have seen it. I'm sure it would have come out. I'm sure those, those expos, that great expos team could have been even more fun had like the kind of, they had loosened the screws as, as we see in, in the game today, which is so much fun to watch. And I don't think that's an old guy take to be like, Hey, it's fun when to watch the game be exciting and players get excited. It's like the counter old guy yeah. take like yeah. that. the 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 bad i'm not like other old guys could take which is an old guy taken of itself
2: vlad definitely got to a point where he looked like all the joints in his lower body were fused like he just (laughs) completely
1: lost all flexibility it, it, you 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 hear the word creaky you sometimes like oh mm-hmm. he's a little creaky out there or someone's mm-hmm. feeling a little creaky and like that you could hear it when he was walking off the off, the, off yeah. the field in whatever 2004 whenever that was but yeah looking and feeling a little creaky more spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors Now let's talk about Creaky because the muscles haven't been used as often recently, uh, about the new record and about going out on tour, uh, something, a bit of a glimmer of hope, something that's really exciting, uh, as well as, as a new record. What was the, what was the process like for you guys to, to write? I know you, 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 you kind of write remotely and everybody lives where they live and then you come together. So this was, you, you're maybe well, well set up to, uh, to record a record in these circumstances.
2: Yeah, we actually just, um, started leasing out an industrial space that we built our own studio in. So we're all like self-contained now. Mm. Um, We have storage there and a live room that we can record and rehearse in. And this was our first record recording ourselves since uh, Beggars, which came out in 2009 and doing it ourselves just gives us a little more freedom to experiment and, not have to stare at the clock and worry that we're wasting like a producer's time or going to run out of days at a studio that we paid way too much for. So mm. we had the luxury of, of spending a little bit more time on this than we have on prior records. Um, and then, yeah, as far as the writing goes, we generally start all of that remotely just cause it's easy uh, because three of us have kids and, dad duties and stuff like that when we're home um so we we do it remotely and then we'll get in the room and kind of hash stuff out a little bit and then go back to doing it remotely for a while to fine-tune stuff and then get back in the room again and and try to finalize stuff and then uh try to lay it down and um i'm really really happy with how the record came out especially given all the circumstances like this record's coming out uh, I would guess, six months later than we had intended it to, just because COVID threw a wrench in everything. Um, and I think maybe having that extra time was beneficial in some ways, even though it was very uncomfortable. Um, it was beneficial, just we had a little bit more time to work on stuff. And I'm really, really happy with how it came out and excited for people to hear
1: it. Do you think that that the time that not only with this longer lead time, but the time in the studio and the time to kind of write and noodle around, do you think that might have a? Do you think that's going to come through in the in the in the in the songs, or do you think the circumstance like is that does that kind of the COVID thing is a way on the you know the headspace is a way on the record maybe a little bit as well?
2: I don't think so. I think uh, Dustin made a concerted effort to try to keep the themes lyrically on this record a little more timeless. So there's mm-hmm. not a lot of like COVID centric lyrics on the record.
1: Um the, I was looking forward to like a COVID Trump kind of like side A, <laughs> COVID side B Trump. That, that, that's, that's, yeah. what that's what, I, that's what the people have come to expect to you uh, from you guys yeah. here, like 20 years on.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think there is some, some trump inspired stuff but it's not uh specifically Mm -hmm. trumpy it's more um it's more concerned with like the issues that trump's era in the united states
1: uh showed us that we have as as people Mm -hmm. that makes sense but and then you're also going out on tour uh which uh, if you are a canadian person listen to this you will have to uh, make a run for the border And find yourself a show that is in the United States because uh, getting into Canada, I can only imagine, is going to be a complete and absolute fucking nightmare for bands. For (laughs) how it was already a nightmare, and I can only imagine how bad it is. And despite my own feelings being hurt by you know bands not adding Canadian tour dates, I 100% understand. But uh, how exciting is it to go back on the road? And who who are you taking that with you as well?
2: Um, it is exciting. Uh, it's also a little bit terrifying just based on what's going in the States right now. Um, so my fingers are crossed that it's going to happen. I'm semi pessimistic about it. Uh, mm. mostly just because, uh, the last like 18 months or however long we've been stuck in this interesting hellscape. Um, it's kind of taught me not to expect much. I think it's taught everybody not to expect a whole lot. Like shit can go haywire pretty easily. So my fingers are crossed. Um, And I mean, touring is going to be a whole different ball game now. Um, It was like a place to, to have fun and be relaxed. And there's definitely going to be a a sense of uh, fear, I think. Mm. So I'm, I mean, I'm anxious about it and I don't want to get sick. I don't want our fans to get sick. Um, and we're going to do everything in our power to, to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Just fingers crossed and hopefully get back out there and enjoy playing live for the first time in almost two years.
1: That is crazy to think about. And yeah, like it's, it's, Yeah, I don't know what, what your experience has been like, but we've been a lot slower to reopen. So watching people fall into kind of similar rhythms or try to treat things as they did before um is 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 an odd sensation for me because at the same time it's like oh this is just like before but it's very much not, not. and you become hyper aware when someone is is doing something that it's like you we're this we're not there yet friend and and it could, and that takes on a million different ways even if it's something like someone was coughing in the grocery store and i was like whoa can you not can you just, right. just make sure maybe just don't do that and like we're still wearing masks in the grocery store you know there's still you know all these different things that I mean, we were getting closer but uh, in, in Ontario and in Canada but but uh it, it will be well hopefully hopefully when you get out there hopefully a hopefully you get out there hopefully all the shows go go ahead and and then it some of the the good parts are the parts that that come to the fore and then everyone sort of takes care of each other and 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 you can have a, a great time on tour and uh and and get the, to play these new songs for people and get to make some new friends and see old ones on the road and you taking self defense right is that is that is that the we plan are. that's hilarious and awesome
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah we're taking uh touche amore and self defense family
1: you so uh, self defense you toured with patrick uh from drug church which i think that they made a fan for life in you by watching them play oh, every yeah. night such a good band and touche amore oh, uh God. just like the best just the like the they're they're so well positioned in my mind as like the band that that is kind of that elder statesman and like hardcore and and whatever else but like so earnestly love it and put on such an amazing show and like write such interesting records i'm so glad for them to be able to go out with you guys and uh and play in front of uh hopefully a whole bunch of new kids as well yeah i can't wait to watch both bands um every night
2: like i've been a fan of touche for a while and the self-defense family stuff has been an inspiration in a lot of ways like we actually had on the less art record that we did Mm -hmm. um one of the working titles of one of the songs was something about like self-defense-ish um so they're they're an inspiration i'm excited to to watch them do their
1: thing and to see patrick again he's a he's a character well, we'll have to get him on this podcast as well. If you listen, if Patrick, shout out to Patrick, shout out to Axe to Grind, the only podcast, <laughs> the only podcast that I listen to, <laughs> which I don't, nice. which I don't, because I don't drive anymore, so I don't listen to podcasts as much. That was the thing that I did then. But uh, uh, yeah, again, uh, a, a really really fun show and definitely a character. Uh, tell the people if they haven't, if I we mentioned it already, but when and where they can find and get the record, and where they can go to get any more information about the tour and things like that. Ah.
2: Yes, all information is at thrice.net. Um, the tour starts on September 24th in Houston and is supposed to hit pretty much all of the states. Uh, it's about a six-week run. And we're excited about it. Um, records out on September 17th, um, depending on when you listen to this. Um, Tomorrow. There will be, yes, the <laughs> second pre-release track is coming out a song called robot soft exorcism um so that's the second song that we put out the first one scavengers came out uh about three weeks ago and seemed like it was received really well so we're stoked like stuff
1: seems like it's going well for we sure you, need- you made a music video what what how cool is that <laughs> we did. You, you made a music video <laughs> you're playing it's actors oh, living 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 the life coming back
2: very cool Uh, that was the first time we'd been in a video of our own since man it'd been ages Mm -hmm. probably eight years or something we're we're generally anti-performance videos in any way and we decided to change that this time
1: around why not you know you got you got got all (laughs) this time to ideate you got all the time to ideate and brainstorm and have some fun with it so right uh riley my friend it is always so great to talk to you and i'm so happy for you guys to be able to get back out and do what you love and do what you're the best at so thanks so much for taking the time to join us uh, to join me and to talk to me and i hope that the angels um t- just do everything the opposite that they do have been doing <laughs> starting tomorrow
2: <laughs> yeah that would be great i would enjoy watching games more and going to games for sure um
1: I wonder if Trout's going to come back. Actually, why would I mean? It, what's the what's the point? What's the point? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they give him what thirty four million bucks. I mean, there's that kind of point, but yeah. eh, it's all right. Otani is uh, it's it's truly the greatest season ever, of ever in baseball history. Truly, without an exaggeration. Like I'm not, no, I'm not saying that because I am a stand, because I am. But uh, it's like it's the well, and the sad, the not sad thing, but the reality is, I don't think that even he will be able to do what he's done in 2021 again because it's just too right. much to ask. It's too much to ask. It's crazy. Yeah.
2: It's the only reason I watch anymore. Certainly not tuning in to watch Shohei Otani and the Salt
1: Lake Bees play. <laughs> It's, it's such a bummer. What their lineup looks like it doesn't yeah, look a- exactly like that. All right, his name <laughs> is Riley Breckenridge. You can follow him all on social media, and like he said, check out for more information on the record. Thank you, Ryan my, my friend, for joining us, and thank you for listening to this edition of Spin Race